Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Kurt. It's great to be together. Thank you for being here in the room with us today, but also welcome to you online. We're glad that you're with us, worshiping Jesus Christ together. Now, I gotta mention something this morning because somebody pointed this out to me in the commons when I was out visiting. And if you use the paper version of the notes, I don't know how this shows up on your app, but it just showed me the power of punctuation and how important punctuation is. On, on this, for the title, it says, Behold, on the first line, right? Because that's the name of our series. Then it has this, the name of the message, The Power of Becoming, okay? And then finally, on the third line, it has Kurt Langstrat, Lead Pastor. <laughs> well, if you read it without punctuation, it says, Behold, The Power of Becoming, Kurt Langstrat, the Lead Pastor. So I just wanted to say we're not that church, okay? So to calm anybody's fears that came up this morning when you read that. I do have to confess this morning, though, that my message may be a little bit disjointed, and it's, it's her fault. There she is, because we had Trilby overnight on a Friday night, so that meant that Saturday morning she was with us, and she got up at 5.10 and decided she wanted to play with Play-Doh. Well, that's Opa's study time, right? And so guess what I decided to do? Play with Play-Doh, right. So I may be a little weak on the study this morning and on the message, but it's okay. She's worth it, isn't she? Is that right? Good. Okay. So we're in this great series called Behold. If you want to put your finger in the scripture this morning, we're in 1 John chapter 5. Powerful series that has tied in beautifully with the whole Christmas story. Who'd have thunk, right? But like Joel said this morning, when I, when I think about Christmas, when I go through the Christmas season, my heart is filled every time. And, and it is all year long with the majesty and generosity of our Savior. But Christmas time, it's just a special reminder for me of how generous he is with us and that Christmas is really where the gospel begins. You know, Jesus came. Jesus came as one of us so that he could relate with us, so that he could live with us, so that he could teach us, so that he could live the perfect life, so that he could die for us, and so that he could raise for us, and so that he could come again for us. And, and Christmas is this time of year for me where it's a special opportunity to behold him, to really behold him. And, and behold isn't a word we use a lot nowadays, but behold really means pay attention to or really perceive him. And so number one in your notes today, beholding the sacred birth of Jesus leads us to this place of believing that he is the Christ, that he is God with us. Would somebody say Amen. That's powerful, powerful truth. And in fact, that's why we're gathered in this room today, that we have to behold in order to believe. If we don't ever pay any attention to Jesus, then probably is, the possibility is we'll never believe in him. And so we have to behold him. We have to see him, to take the time to really consider who he is. And if you're here today and you're at that place of beholding and you haven't yet believed, I want to just encourage you to open your heart to the Spirit of God to work in your heart and bring that truth home in your heart even today. And so today we're going to be talking about beholding, believing, and becoming who Jesus is. And John writes in verse 1 of chapter 5, so here we go, jumping into the text this morning. John says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That simple. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So we love one another because we love the Father. But it begs the question this morning, and I want to answer this because I think it's important that we understand this fully if we're going to believe it. How am I born of God? Or how am I born again? 
And the simple answer to that is when I believe that Jesus Christ is born of God, is the Son of God. I want to take you to a different scripture this morning, John chapter 3. If you want to turn there on your phone or in your Bible today, there's a great story about a man in the Bible named Nicodemus. And no, it's not Saint Nick. It's a different Nick uh, who came to Jesus. And the story tells us that he came at night. And, and people believe that it's because he didn't want to get caught talking to Jesus because he was a religious leader. But he had this important question. Now, he had been beholding Jesus. He had been beholding his miracles and his healings. And he had perceived that God was with Jesus. And so he came to Jesus and he said to him, I've seen the miracles and I've seen that God is with you. And Jesus sort of cuts him off and he answers this question before it's asked. And it says in verse three, Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, can you say born again with me? Born again, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can see the signs of the kingdom, you can perceive like you've done, Nicodemus, but you can't really see the kingdom. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb, awkward, right, and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Now, I want to explain that to you. There's a couple of different views on what Jesus meant by being born of water. And the first or the most cited view to this passage is that Jesus was referring to repentance or baptism, like we saw this morning. That spiritual rebirth begins with repentance, begins with being born again, with realizing our need for Christ. That to be born again, a person needs to repent from sin and be baptized. And then the Holy Spirit does the work of actually regenerating or bringing our dead spirit to life. Everybody's born with what I would call a latent spirit or a spirit that has the potential to be brought to life but still is not. And so once you receive Christ, once you believe in him, the Holy Spirit regenerates this dead or latent spirit in you and you become fully alive spiritually. So Jesus said you gotta be born by water and you, got to be, and you have to be born of the Spirit. So this happens, being born again happens when we believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's a spiritual miracle that happens in our heart, and the Holy Spirit brings us to life, spiritually speaking, right? Does that make sense? Okay, good. So this happens by faith. Faith means that we believe in something that, that we really can't see. And faith, on the human side of things, faith is the activator of being born again. God has done his part. He has come to save us. Now our part is to uh, employ our faith and to believe in Jesus Christ. Now I suppose a few of you will receive some Amazon cards this Christmas, right? Anybody, ha has anybody bought some Amazon cards for anybody? Let me see. That's the easy way to shop. You just buy the cards, right? You don't have to worry about sizes or picking things out. You just buy them, right? And then your kids love them. We bought these for our kids. We bought them socks and other stuff too, you know. But, but we bought these for our kids and they love them. And what's cool about these cards is one card gives you unlimited access to all the things, all the stuff that Amazon has to offer. There is a gift, you might say, held in reserve for you that can be purchased by this card. It's there. You hold the card in your hand. My kids opened their cards yesterday. We gave one to each one of them. They opened the cards. They held them in their hands. They know, they perceive, they behold 
the card and they know that there's a gift out in Amazon land waiting for them, right? So you have to believe that, but then you have to activate it. And how do you activate it? Every card comes with a code on the back of the card and you activate this card by typing in the code. That code is like faith. It's like faith. God has done all this for you. God has all this available to you. God has given you the card. Now, please don't be offended by this. It's just an illustration. God has given you the card. You hold it in your hands. You perceive it. His name is Jesus Christ. But you have to activate what he has done for you. And the code for that is faith. It's you simply saying, Jesus, I believe. It's that simple. It truly is. Jesus, I believe. Truly heartfelt belief and receiving what Jesus Christ has done for you. This gift of grace. This undeserved merit that God has made available to every one of us. It's laid hold of. It's activated by this faith that we employ. Ephesians 2.8 says, It's by grace that you've been saved or given, right, this gift, But it's activated through faith. By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So, I want to settle this question for you this morning. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching online, how do you know if you've been born again? Because quite simply, you have put your faith, you have put your trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to spend eternity with him. You simply have believed and received that. And that is shown by obedience to our our love for God and obedience to love one another. Let's take it to verse two of this first John passage. Verse two. How do we know? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. By this we know By this we know. How do we know? When we love one another, when we love God, we know. When our heart changes direction, changes course, and the Spirit begins to awaken this thing called love in our lives, and we find ourselves in these situations and conditions where we choose to love one another, and obviously we choose to be obedient to Christ. Now, one of our traditions for Christmas, we've been talking about Christmas traditions, and one of them that my son and I both shouted out at the Christmas concert was to make cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. Anybody else? Are you cinnamon roll people? Well, my wife did this for years and years when the kids were young, and then uh, my daughter kind of took over the tradition and started making cinnamon rolls. Well, this year, she's going to be in Missouri on Christmas, or I keep reminding her it's misery. Don't ever think about moving there, honey. It's misery. Uh, She'll be at the in-laws, and I'll be singing the Christmas blues with my wife. Um, So... This year, yesterday, I made cinnamon rolls for our family because we had Christmas yesterday. And yes, they were Money Mayberry's famous, famous cinnamon rolls. So here's a dough picture, right? And I didn't do this yesterday, but I did this a couple weeks ago. I took the dough and I placed it in front of our fireplace to be proven. That's the word they use, or to rise, right? And the dough rises, it will double in size. I love that part. I can't leave it alone. I'm always poking it, you know, and seeing uh, how's it doing in there. And this is called being proven. And the fact that it rises is how we know that it has yeast in it. By this, we will know that this dough has bread, has yeast in it and will become really, really good cinnamon rolls. But the dough is proven when it rises and it, it will double in size or more depending. And so it is with us. We should double in size 
No, just kidding. Uh, we don't want to double the size. It, it is Christmas time. But definitely we should grow. Some of you are thinking, no, no, don't say that, Pastor Kurt. No, definitely we should grow. We should grow in our love for God. We should grow in our love for each other. And this is how we are proven. This is how Jesus is proven in us, is when we begin to grow. You're not going to be perfect on this earth, but you're going to grow. And you should be able to tell by how you grow in your love for Jesus, your desire to be obedient to him. Again, not perfect, but your desire to be obedient to him and living that out in love for him and then love for one another. That is how we know that we are growing. That is how we are proven. And we're proven another way. And John brings this up. And I want to really focus on this for the rest of our time. Because I think especially in this world we live in today, the conditions that we're facing today, I think this is a very important statement that John makes, not just to the first century church, but to us this morning right here in this room. And John says, number two in your notes, believing in Christ gives us eternal life resulting in becoming overcomers. Would you say that with me? Overcomers? Overcomers. How do you like that word? Overcomers. Isn't that a great word? Let's read the text. Verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Would you read that out loud with me? Come on, let's, let's do this together. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, of course, our faith in Jesus, right? But this is the victory that overcomes the world. When, when you activate this relationship with Christ and you live in this relationship with Christ, you not only get eternity, you not only learn to love God and love others, but you become an overcomer, an overcomer of the world. Verse five, who is it that overcomes the world? except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me kind of unpack this a little bit for you. Every day, every day we face trouble. Every day something changes that's going to impact our lives. Every day there's some news that is less than good. Every day things happen that we did not see coming. And this can be our personal lives. This doesn't have to be you know, the world or the government. This can be our personal lives. This can be, you know, some kind of bad thing that happens in your life, a relational thing, a family thing, a marriage thing. This can be a health thing. There can be lots of different things that happen that can bring trouble into our lives that we didn't see coming. And what faith does is faith allows us to embrace the struggle. We're not living in denial. We do embrace the struggle. But then faith allows us to rise up, to rise up, above the struggle that we're facing, to live in hope in the midst of the struggle that we're facing, to realize things like this, that this is temporary, and to realize that God is sovereign and God can do good things with this bad thing that's happening in my life, to realize that there's the other side to this thing, and to realize that the far other side is heaven itself, and that there will come a day that we no longer struggle with these troubles. This is what it means to overcome. To live our lives in the strength and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit as he helps us every day to overcome the struggles that come. I'm not talking about triumphalism. I'm not talking about somehow we're not touched or, or we're unscathed by the problems of this world. I'm saying that like Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world and he wants us to overcome the world. So there's a way in which we live in that we are touched, we are burnt, we are singed, we smell like smoke from the trouble of the world, and yet we walk out of that furnace because we're overcomers. 
And we do that in the spirit of love. We do that in the spirit of love. That's why these three tie together so well. We love God, we love one another, and we overcome the world. And we do this in the spirit of love. You know, our world struggles so much because they don't have the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's why they struggle. They're afraid. Our world is afraid. They're afraid of death. What's the condition of our world? The condition of our world is death. And they're afraid of that. And they know that when the end comes, that's the end for them. You know, every day they and we are under the curse of sin. They don't have the hope that you and I have in Jesus Christ. That's what everybody's so upset about. They do not have hope. We do. And God wants us to live in this sense of hope, which I would call overcoming today. Can you blame the world for being upset? Can you blame them for being upset when they have no hope and they know that death is the end for them? They don't have anything to look forward to like we do. And so hope in Christ is what overcomes the fear of death and the conditions and the culture that we live in in this world. We know that we do not die. We hope in Christ, and so we place our hope in him. And bad things can happen because we know it's going to be better. In fact, it's going to be fantastic on the other side. And Jesus promises to bring us there. So, the world's culture is one of hopelessness. The world is filled with fear of death. We are not. The world offers no hope. Jesus Christ does. And for the world, life is over when it's over. But we are overcomers. That's number three in your notes today. We are overcomers. We become overcomers when we believe in the water and the blood and the spirit of Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, what exactly are you saying you believe in? I want to unpack this for you this morning. What you're really saying, and John is going to tell us, and we're going to look at this this morning, is that what you're really saying you believe in is the water and the blood and the spirit. Of Christ. Let's look at that this morning. John writes in verses 6 through 9 This is he who came by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. Now that sounds very mysterious and ethereal, doesn't it? It just sounds like it's kind of out there, right? But we're going we're gonna to break this down. You're going to understand. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree, okay? These three things about Jesus agree together, the Spirit and the water and the blood. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his Son. So let's talk about this. We already referred to water as baptism, and that's true. It's referred to uh, throughout Scripture as what water means. Water also just in general means life. Water means life. You don't live without water. And so Jesus, and all through Scripture, water is used as an illustration of life. But Jesus first came by water. And I want to bring you back in this book of 1 John, back a chapter, because you'll remember we talked about this. And, and he was born human, and that's the other use of the word water. When scholars talk about water, uh, and this passage we're going to read, it's referring to his human birth. And this is important, because a lot of people at that time didn't believe that God was born a man. Okay, 
So this is huge. This is important, that Jesus came by water, that God became man. This takes us back to 1 John 4, verse 2, a few weeks ago when John wrote, By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. There it is. Remember how important this was when we studied this a couple weeks ago? That it really affirms whether a prophet is from God is to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that God was born a man. That's why this is so important. This is the testimony of Christmas. We call this Christmas, Jesus coming by the water, Jesus being born by the water, or being humanly born. God becoming human. This is what this means. God with us. Emmanuel, God one of us. And then he entered the water of baptism, as we know, later on in his life, when the Father affirmed him, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, right? And then the Spirit came down and rested upon him, remember? So you have the water of natural birth, God had to become man, but then you have the water of baptism where the Spirit comes down and and blesses Jesus and prepares him for the rest of his ministry on this earth. He would lead him ultimately to the blood. You have the water, you have the Spirit, and you have the blood. The Spirit would lead him to the cross where he would shed his blood. Water, Spirit, blood. Water is life. What is blood? Death, right? Water is life. The blood is death. He came by life bringing the living water of the Spirit. Remember the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? And Jesus talked about water with her too in John 4. He said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well springing up to eternal life. So Jesus is saying, I'm the water, I'm the life. Let me give you uh, my water and you will never thirst again. So again, let's encapsulate here. Jesus came by water. His natural birth, God being born man, and his baptism. And then he came to die to sacrifice his life for us. This was his purpose. It was his purpose. Remember Steve preached last week uh, that the reason for the season is what? Sin. But the purpose for Jesus' coming was what? Love, right? To save, to love, to bring us back to the Father. His purpose was to die, to accomplish all that, to sacrifice himself for us. The water, the spirit, and the blood. Jesus said, water and blood go together. My life and my death go together. Christmas and Good Friday go together. This is who I am. This is why I came. And I want you to understand that back when this was written, there were heretics or people that were false prophets in the church that didn't believe that a divine God or a divine Christ could die on a cross. That's why there was such confusion about this. That's why this is such an important doctrinal teaching, is that John was saying, oh yes, it's true, that a divine God can come and become a man and can give his life on the cross for the ransom for the whole world. Coming by blood meant that he came to die to cleanse us from all of our sin. So for me, it's hard to think about Christmas without thinking about Good Friday, honestly, because Jesus truly was born to die so that he could rise, so that we could live. That's, to me, the whole entire picture of Christmas. You know, I was thinking about this this week, And uh, I've talked about this other passage, I don't know how many, hundreds of times probably, at weddings and different things, I've used this passage. And I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this message and thinking about water and blood, 
I thought about this fact. It struck me that Jesus' first miracle was what? Turning water into wine. And, you know, I've always kind of taken that just kind of as a literal, that was his first miracle. I've always kind of wondered why. Why water into wine? What was the significance? Because God doesn't ever do anything just, you know, without a deeper purpose. I think God is always speaking to us something through everything that happens. And why would Jesus, you know, his coming out as, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world, why would his first miracle be water into wine? And as I thought about that, and as I kind of put it together with this passage that we're looking at today, it struck me, you know, that that's what this passage is about. Water into wine. Natural birth of the Son of God into his death for all mankind by the shedding of his blood. And I thought to myself, I mean, I don't know if this is true, okay, so don't quote me. But I thought to myself, wouldn't it be just like God to have the first miracle performed by his Son to be the one that says, I'm going to take water, this natural, normal thing, and I'm going to turn it into this miraculous, beautiful substance called wine. The substance that people will use for hundreds, thousands of years to commemorate my death. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now, I always kind of wonder what kind of wine it was. Was it Merlot? You know, was it a good, a good cab? And my guess is it's probably a heavenly wine that we're not going to drink until we're at the big marriage feast, right, with the Son of God that Revelation talks about. But I found myself just, again, in awe of God and, and how potentially he speaks through his word and through how Christ revealed himself, even in, I think, okay, this is me, even in his first miracle that we have written about, and that is the turning of water into wine. Maybe Jesus was saying, this reveals my coming and my destiny, my birth and my death. I'm taking this natural element and turning it into something that has substance, that is beautiful, that is celebratory, that will serve to cleanse you from your sins and save you from death. And that this drink will commemorate my blood in communion all over the world for thousands and thousands, hundreds of years. Water to wine, birth to blood, this is what we believe as followers of Christ. John goes on in verse 10 and he says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. In other words, what God has said now becomes part of us. The Spirit moves inside into our hearts. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Pretty simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man or woman comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said about himself. And so again, I want to just, I just want to drive this home today. What is our part? God has done his part. God did all the heavy lifting. God did all the hard work. God had the plan, even before the foundations of the world, God had the plan of salvation and redemption, of bringing his creation back home to himself. That's us. And what is our part? Our part is simply to believe. Simply to believe. And out of that believing comes this beautiful expression of heart change. We call it sanctification. 
um, a life that now is for God and with God instead of opposing God. It's a natural outcome, or I should say supernatural outcome, of receiving this person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit into our hearts. For over two millennia, millions and millions of people have believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, all over the world. You know, the, the, our Western culture, we're, we're a tag-along. You know, we didn't come along until a couple hundred years ago. But all over the world, Asia, Africa, Europe, uh, has been this beautiful expression of people believing in Jesus Christ long before our country even was even a thought, right? And people have believed in Christ all over the world for a very, very long time. We're, we're in good company. We're in really good company. And, and then you have the testimony of God, John says, this Holy Spirit, the testimony of God who spoke over and settled upon Jesus at his baptism, this Spirit, the same Spirit, moves into our own hearts. And now we have the testimony of the Spirit within our own life. You, you have this um, validation of what you believe from the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you this is true. That, you know, at 60 years old now, I believe ever more firmly in the truth about Jesus than I did years ago. And it's because the Spirit continues to just um, solidify it in my life. And, and I, I, I start to realize how it is that martyrs can go to their death, and hor- their horrible deaths. And it's because the Spirit has made it irrefutable in their lives, this truth about Jesus Christ. You know, they can't, ref- they can't refute it. It's true. The Spirit, the testimony of the Spirit has moved inside and has spoken his truth to us. And we carry this witness of God in us. And what is this witness? What is the testimony? Here's the last thing John said, that God is eternal life, that this life is in his Son, and that whoever has the Son has life, and we have overcome the world. Amen? We have overcome the world. Now, I want us to do something today as the band comes. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And what I want to do is simply give you the opportunity to affirm your faith. I think it's good to affirm our faith. So if you're a follower of Christ here today, or if you're online watching and you're a follower of Christ, in other words, you believe, I'm just going to invite you to affirm that with me this morning as I pray with you. And in your heart, in your mind, if you agree, just say, yeah, that's what I believe. And, and then if you've never believed, if you've never taken that step where you say, yeah, I received this for myself, then I'm going to invite you to, that during this prayer today that you receive what, what hundreds here and millions around the world over the last 2,000 years have received. And that is the testimony that the Spirit bears witness to in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he has come to forgive us of our sins. So would you bow your heads with me today? Let's pray together. Before we pray, I just want to say to you, you know, maybe you've had a tough week. Maybe you have had a point of failure in your life. Maybe you've experienced that somehow in your life. You've experienced somebody's failure and it's hurt you. Or maybe you've had doubt in your life. You've wondered what you really believe about Jesus. Uh, maybe you've just been slapped around by the curse of sin. Maybe it's just been a tough, a tough week. Maybe you've lost somebody that's important to you. Maybe somebody has died and it's been hard for you. And it's just brought about some feelings of hopelessness. Or just feeling like, wow, how could this happen? 
Anything like that can really erode away our faith. And so I just want you to have that in mind as we pray together, that there are things that you need to overcome today with the help and the power of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, today we come to you as your children, and we say, Lord, I say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ, creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ who came in the form of a baby, who entered our world as a human. I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. And I believe that that the Christ man went to the cross and laid down his life. God himself. We don't understand how it all happened, but Lord, we believe. I believe that it's true that you laid down your life, that God gave his life for us, that we might be cleansed of our sin, that we might be brought back home into this family, this family of God, where we will always belong and we will never lose this family. And I thank you for this family that we are in, Father. Thank you so much that even though we let each other down from time to time, even though as brothers and sisters we fail each other, that you never fail us. You never fail us. And so, Lord Jesus, today I confess, I affirm, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I invite you to live in my life and in my heart to forgive my sins, to cleanse my life, and thank you for doing that. And I release my life to you to be used for your honor, for your glory, to love one another, and to love you. I give you my life again today. I affirm this choice to believe in who you are and what you've done for me. And it's Jesus, it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Let's sing together.